0: So what are the biggest data security challenges facing healthcare sector organizations and the biggest mistakes these entities are making that are leaving them vulnerable to persistent and evolving threats? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor of Information Security Media Group. I'm here at HIM 17 in Orlando speaking with Joe Meyer, Director of Risk Management and Governance, North America, at security consulting firm NCC Group. Joe will be speaking to us about some of the toughest security issues he sees facing the healthcare sector these days. Hi, Joe. Hey, Marianne. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for joining me. Now, Joe, as you work with organizations in the healthcare sector, what sorts of security challenges do you see them dealing with these days that they're unable to handle properly, leaving them vulnerable to breaches from insiders and external actors.
1: That's a great topic. Uh, It's one topic that seems to kind of always be forever and ever an issue. So I think one of the biggest issues is obviously awareness. Understanding the types of flows and how much information and how much risk storage and everything else really does exist. A lot of people sit with internal audit, a lot of people sit with the compliance group, but we don't truly understand a lot of the hospitals and entities out there, healthcare entities, don't really truly understand the breadth and the depth of their HIPAA information. Access controls, complexity through or security through complexity ends up being a huge issue because what happens is, is we fight the battle between we're trying to save lives and you're slowing us down. So at which point do we find the happy medium between security and not being over complex versus not preventing them from really being able to save lives and um, efficient healthcare. So we're talking about things like Deep access levels, not enough access levels. We're talking about things like ransomware, where the hospitals don't have the ability to really back up their information accordingly uh, within a timely fashion, so they're subject to the ransom, encryption, malware, the lack of awareness training, and then we're, we're starting to see that a lot of hospital healthcare entities are really starting to get at least aware of that they need to do this. The problem is, is we hear this all the time, is there's just not enough of them to do it. So they're looking at you know needle in the haystack. There's one to two people per se for every one thousand hospital or healthcare entities that are really struggling and don't. Have the resources to do what they need to do. And those are kind of one of the, some of the few organizational issues that really still affect healthcare to this day. And it's a beating of the drum for the last 20 years, but we're starting to finally see a small paradigm shift of the awareness and the necessity to really continue to inject the compliance and not be subject and kind of find that happy medium between cybersecurity, compliance, protection of health information, as well as the ability to maintain proper patient care.
0: Now you mentioned ransomware and that was certainly a big issue last year for healthcare entities. There were quite a few incidents that made headlines because entities ended up either paying extortionists to unlock their data, and in some cases, healthcare delivery was impacted for days. Are you still hearing a lot about ransomware hitting healthcare entities these days, and are entities getting any better at preventing, falling victim to, or at least recovering from these attacks, and why?
1: That is a huge topic of conversation, and obviously one that's been top market, if you will, top billing for the last couple I'd say, two years or so. So hospitals and healthcare entities and other entities now, so ransomware was traditionally thought of a healthcare issue, but we're actually seeing it hit even the leisure sector and the hotel sector and things like that. So ransomware is still actively popping up. What we're seeing now is more of an awareness around to slow it down and prevent it, right? Because ransomware, at the end of the day, is malware. Malware is introduced one of three traditionally simple ways, um, which most of those can be handled by awareness. But what we're seeing now is the hospitals wanting to be, A, being aware of it and bringing in firms like ourselves and other third-party firms to help prevent them and what can they do to be ahead of the curve but it's still a rampant issue so the what ransomware now is what they're doing is that the cost theoretically of some of the ransoms are, are starting to come down but what they're doing is because at the end of the day as you mentioned it's affecting patient care and the duration or the ability to conduct long-term or short-term health care, so they're just paying the extortionists. But what we're seeing now is on the back-end is a ramp-up of the extortionists receiving the money and still not unencrypting the data. So they're really, it's a a bait-and-switch, if you will, and that's one of the things we're starting to see kind of come up now. One of the, there was a huge push at and in the healthcare sector and the cybersecurity sector last year to talk about how to prevent it, right, and one of the biggest easiest ways to not fall victim to the extortion aspect of ransomware, we have talked about awareness, but also the ability to understand your backup. Because if your entire stuff gets encrypted and locked down, it's a matter of theoretically, and I, I say this in air quotes, but Being able to reload the information prior to the ransomware um, infection and things like that is a really good way to, easier way to than paying the extortion and hoping that they get it. So yeah, we are seeing this kind of still run rampant across the board, but instead of it being a healthcare focused malware event, um, we're now starting to hear of it more spread across other industries. I think that's where we're losing the focus on healthcare because it's also happening in other places as well.
0: So now you mentioned training, awareness, having people know that these issues exist and that they need to deal with them once they're over that and they know that there's other things that they need to be doing from a technology point of view where are some of the mistakes still being made? For instance, you know what are organizations doing wrong with their ID and access management
1: This has kind of always been one of the biggest holes in any of the security dikes is uh, the ability to, for a doctor to easily and quickly access information especially in an emergency situation, emergency care, ICU trauma, et cetera. So we uh, we constantly again fight that battle of at which point is too much to, too long. So we have a lot of medical devices and a lot of access that's out there, especially in emergency situations, emergency rooms, and, and things where the access to that data is paramount from a, from a speed standpoint. So what we're starting to see specifically here at him 17 is finally a turn of our new entities that are starting to understand the, the amount of time needed to involve, but also the, in the imperativeness of access control. So we're sat through a couple of uh, exhibits yesterday that where they talked about how they can continue to do access control and not leave systems open and also understanding the ability to test medical devices as well as even medical applications. There's a big push forward now to have people understand that application vulnerability even application pen testing even at a medical device level to include patient portals even patient portals are huge access layers into PHI and outside of everybody knows about the EHR and EMR so those are pretty well addressed but there's so many other ingress and egress points that the access levels and the ability for multi-factor authentication really comes into play so there's a lot of organizations and technical technology companies out here on the floor even that are now starting to push an easier more efficient way to not get in the way of saving lives but also ensuring that ability to lock things down are the easiest way. Anybody in the cybersecurity space that's actually done any type of pen testing or air quote hacking understands that access control is one of our the lowest hanging fruits or the lack thereof rather. So I think within the healthcare space, finding the happy medium, which I'm starting to finally see a shift of good technology to kind of understand you can't shove a square peg through a round hole, that there is an adoption from both the healthcare industry as well as the cybersecurity technology industry to produce these technologies to to find a happy medium.
0: You mentioned a point that comes up a lot about how clinicians want to be able to access information as soon as they can. They don't want to be hung up on some complex sort of authentication. Do you see organizations beginning to implement multi factor authentication in healthcare more so than maybe a few years ago? And what are the preferences for multi factor authentication these days in healthcare? Also, when it comes to the clinicians, often they have different roles on different days. You know, one day they might be on one floor, another day they might be at another facility caring for patients. How detailed is the access control in terms of locking down access to patient records at one facility a day that a clinician's not treating patients there? Are they getting to that point or is that something that's just not realistic?
1: It actually comes back to, right, the whole baseline of HIPAA, right? HIPAA was initially created not for necessarily for a primary aspect for security and compliance. It really is the the portability act, right? And the whole point of HIPAA was the portability of this information across multiple Networks, multiple facilities, what have you. Um, There was a push in the early 2000s. I know there was a couple states. Nebraska was one of them. The Nebraska Health Information Act to kind of allow to start the process of creating EPHI across different entities, let alone different facilities. It obviously hit a snag with a lot of issues. But the point that you bring up is, when meaningful use, specifically omnibus and high tech, came out with those requirements to force to kind of start doing these things, you saw a big conglomeration, a big merger. You had a lot of hospital systems. I think a lot of us know that. Our mom and pop hospital, our community hospital is now part of one of twelve, you know, gigantically large organizations. So this is a big issue because now you've got multiple hospitals that are still on legacy systems or still sometimes still on their own systems. How does doctor at Acme Hospital organization A access the same information of his new entity of Acme Hospital B? So what we're starting to see now is more of a simplistic approach of, you know, and I hate to bring up the, the word awareness because I think a lot of us in this space roll our eyes because we know how ineffective it is because it's not received correctly, but the awareness of how important it is to, you know, do these things. So we're seeing things like biometric, multi-factor, traditionally, you know, a lot of the terms is a couple years ago, we were using two-factor. Multi-factor is now the appropriate term, um, again, something given, something known. So, you know, things like Google Authenticator, there are other technology companies out there that allow you to have a soft token. But again, it's the happy medium of, of not being able to have to unlock a phone to then open up an app to get the authentication code. But there are certain things that we can use, things like bio metrics. We can use things like, I mean, there are some places out there that are actually even doing air quote selfie uh, logins, for example. So finding that quick but yet access or restriction to understand how to access patient A and patient B. Problem is, is that we're also having the same issue of merger. The you know, the new hospital system that merges with the older hospital system, there's not much due diligence on a merger and acquisition standpoint during these acquisitions or these mergers or these combined <laughs> partnerships. So I think at the, at the higher hospital level to ensure that that they're not going to fall victim to things like ransomware or, or HIPAA breaches. We have to understand that you know they need to be a do a better diligence from a technology implementation and overarching partnership. Because even if we put all the greatest multi factor authentications and access controls in the world, if they don't drive with the second system that they just acquired with, it becomes a moot point. So we have to better understand the ability and kind of the homogeneousness of the systems and the, and the application. So I think again we're starting to finally turn the corner of some of those important aspects. Specs. But again, I think understanding how ransomware and, and the OCR fines, Marianne, you know as well as do. OCR made it the point to kind of keep most of their fines under a million dollars a couple years ago. Um, and they warned us, right, that this is coming. Get it done. You're going to see higher fines. And that's exactly what we're seeing. Higher fines of more than a million. I think this is kind of starting to allow us to, to take what, practice what we preach and help implement these into the organizations to say, system A can talk to system B but you have to do it this way. And I don't think a lot of the, the organizations in the healthcare sector have the knowledge, the expertise, or even, again, the resources to really understand that. So bringing in a third party that can help you understand these items, A, takes a resource risk off you, um, doesn't really increase your costs, and theoretically helps you implement it simpler to not become, you know, on the OCR while you
0: Besides ransomware, what other cybersecurity threats do you see the healthcare industry dealing with most these days? Insiders are always a threat. Are organizations more worried about the, you know, the outside malicious, Actors, or is it, or is it in some cases making them take their eye off what their insiders are doing?
1: Again, I think this is where we sometimes we, we run into the you don't see the forest through the trees. Um, you focus on the on the big words like ransomware and outsider threats and and malicious nation states and all these these gangs, if you will, that are all external. But you go onto the dark web, you use your Tor VPN, which you know, a lot of us in the actual cybersecurity space deal with to do research. You'll still see ads out there that'll say you know looking for forty five-year-old male recent liver transplant. And the asking price is 30 grand. So if you're a $12 an hour hospital tech, you have access to one of those records you know, that's a quick 30 grand. So again, we're talking about unauthorized disclosure, um, which goes back again to access control and all these other things. But if I'm that tech, I can make 30 grand right off the bat by giving somebody that uh, file. The person who requests that on the on the dark web is then turning around and selling it to somebody who has a false brick and mortar insurance claim shop that now takes that claim, makes an insurance claim across, let's say, the big five insurance companies for $150,000 each. They get paid and by the time the audit process on the insurance side still hits, He's already closed up that facade shop and opened up a new one. Let's say in Fort Lauderdale, for example, and that's still a biggest problem. I mean, that's a big issue. So the insider threat is is huge. Um, how many times have you heard about a celebrity who is literally en route to the hospital, and they tell you what he or she is en route to the hospital for? I doubt at that moment that that person's publicist and/or significant other signed a uh, HIPAA release waiver. Little things like that are theoretically, most likely, HIPAA violations. So the insider threat of somebody being on the inside is still a significant aspect. So we can't take. Take our eye off the initial threat because it's still a significant threat even though it's not as sexy as things like ransomware and external threat
0: and finally joe looking ahead If there is one or two things that organizations can do this year to improve their security and avoid a lot of the mistakes that their peers are making, what would be those one or two things that you would suggest them doing ASAP? At
1: the result of sounding like a broken record again, I believe that doing a proper risk assessment is the silver bullet. This has been a big trend. A lot of the, uh, I believe there's three speaking topics this year just on on how to do a proper OCR validated risk assessment and the way risk assessments were done until, you know, thankfully due to meaningful use, it was really just to kind of get it done to, to check the box to receive your meaningful use money. And in the recent couple years of breaches, I've had the luxury or unfortunately of sitting in post-breaches at healthcare entities with OCR and OCR requests, show me your risk assessment. That risk assessment was done very, very lightly just to meet the meaningful use requirement and OCR has pretty much ripped it up in front of their face. And, and the request is we have to do true risk assessment. What's a true risk assessment? Very basic, you know, understand where everything comes comes in. Don't just meet with the IT. Don't just meet with the, the hospital executives. You know, talk to your technicians. Talk to your nurses, your doctors. Talk to the cafeteria people. Find out all the different points of ingress and egress. Secondly, policies procedures. Nobody knows what policy procedures are there. And last but not least, understand that there's a technical component. Hackers aren't coming in traditionally breaking and entering means. They're not throwing rock through a window and coming in like a robber. We're breaching the, the entities by way of technical components, um, whether it's med devices, whether it's you know, insulin pumps or MRI machines, or whether it's patient portal or phishing to induce ransomware, having a true technical component or technical testing component to all those technical entities is what really OCR has been looking for for at least several years on how to conduct a true risk assessment. OCR wants to know, do you know what your risk is? And you have a good understanding as to what your EPHI or PHI environment is. And if you can't prove that to them, then that's where your increase in fines and, and shaking of the finger, rightfully so comes into play. So I think that doing the risk assessment right off the bat and doing a true risk assessment gives you a good understanding as to your risk and how to quickly understand what's a tactical risk and a strategical fix.
0: Thanks, Joe. I've been speaking to Joe Meyer of NCC Group. I'm Marianne kolbusak mcgee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.